This is Tom Cosgrove, and you're listening to Friars on the Farm podcast. Hey there, welcome to Friars on the Farm live stream for our inaugural live event. We appreciate you for all being here. Thought it would be a treat to bring back an old friend of the podcast, an integral piece of the San Diego Padres bullpen, Tom Cosgrove. Tom, welcome. Yeah, thank you guys. Thanks for having me. Honored to be the inaugural live YouTube streamed podcast. Yeah, so it's been a while since we've talked. So what we want to do is start where we left off last time and then have you take us through your journey through the minor leagues, finally making it to the big leagues this year. Um, And if we have some time, we're going to take some questions from the viewers. Um, So when we last spoke with you, you were coming off a strong 2018 season and then six starts into your 2019 year, you, you hit a big bump. Um, what all led up to you having Tommy John that surgery that summer? Um, I think it was like people still guess like why people blow out, why people get Tommy John surgery, whether it's workload, preparation, um, recovery. Um, I still don't don't really know. Um, I had a pretty heavy workload in college. Um, went into the draft, pitched that summer, 2017. Um, came back 2018, pitched a full year, felt great the whole year. Never had any arm problems leading up to it. Um, and then spring training going into 2019, I just kind of remember some didn't really feel right. And then it just kind of progressed and progressed. I was trying to pitch through it, trying to talk myself into um, trying to tell myself that, that everything was fine. But um, yeah, eventually it just, it just wasn't coming out the right way. Um, got it looked at and then ended up getting Tommy John and obviously was disappointed at the time, but um I knew that I was something that a lot of players go through. And, um, yeah, I was just ready to, to get the rehab going and, and get back out there. Well, then you were just, you know, you just starting to throw again, and then, and then COVID hit. Man, yeah. talk about a, a double whammy. So it's you and the other guys rehabbing. Did you talk to anyone that uh, had gone through it before or did, you know, you guys were pretty isolated, but did you talk to anyone that had gone through it before or did you just have the guys rehabbing with you and the coaching staff? Yeah, well, um, like you said, COVID hit and they kind of sent everybody home from spring training. And that was when like the main part of my rehab was coming up. I started to throw bullpens and stuff and they kind of sent everybody home and it was tough to like get into the, get into the complex in Arizona. There was only a handful of guys rehabbing and, um, and then one or two trainers. So there wasn't a lot of people around. Um, pretty boring at times because you're doing this tedious rehab. Like you're not playing and you're away from home. There's nobody really around. You just kind of, the only thing I had to do was like make sure I was getting my arm right. So um, I had like an excess amount of time, I think. Um, and actually Anderson Espinosa was, uh, was rehabbing the same time as me. And it, yeah. It was his second Tommy John. So he's gone, he was going through it for a second time. So um, I guess he was a big help because he was going through it with me at the same time. And he's also done it before. So it was pretty good to have him around. Uh, Kyle McGrath was around. It was his first time being hurt, but he was a left-hander who pitched in the big leagues, and um, it was good to have him around to like see how he worked and um, throw with him and um, make adjustments with him. And so I was lucky to have have a few guys around who uh, who were able to help me out. So we, so we hear that the mental side of Tommy John rehab can be tougher than the physical part. Uh, what were your experiences with that whole process? Uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, it was like my first time, like not playing for a year and a half, two years, like in my whole life. Um, and like I said, there was not many people around. Usually you're rehabbing 
during a season, you have like the AZL teams there. You have coaches around. You have training staff around. You have a bunch of players around. It might be a little easier to, you know, like socialize and, and be around people. But it was really just like a handful of dudes out there. And I was new to Arizona. I didn't have like many friends outside of people I played with. Um, luckily, I was able, and, and I couldn't because COVID was going. Everything was like kind of closed down. There wasn't much going on, so it was kind of lonely and boring. Um, but I mean, I think it helped me because I had nothing to do but but rehab. Like I actually had nothing to do but get myself right. And um, and I was like, if I'm going to stay out here, <laughs> lonely, miserable, and bored for a year and a half, like I'm going to make sure I do it right. Um, so I think it was a blessing in disguise. And the uh, and the 2020 season was canceled, so I was missing that season anyway, and everybody else missed it. So I kind of didn't feel like um, I had a a big setback like most people do when they when they have a surgery like that. So God, it was like the zombie apocalypse back then. I remember just just like looking outside, going like it's it's the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, just, it was crazy. Yeah, we were like splitting times at the field. Like one of us would go at nine next guy would go at noon next guy would go at three so it was like even the guys you were rehabbing with you weren't seeing them that much and then you know somebody would somebody would get test positive or whatever it was and then they'd shut down the complex for a week and we'd be at a park for a week and like doing stuff in our apartment it, it was it wasn't great but um but the Padres did a great job at uh at keeping us keeping us there and keeping us on top of it and there were a bunch of great PTs and training staff that were that were around so I was really wow. great Padres at that time. Last time we, so last time we spoke, you know, we talked about your curveball. You got a fastball, curveball, and changeup at the time. Now your big weapon is I'd like this wiffle ball sweeper. I mean, if, if there's anything uh, that is a sweeper in Major League Baseball, it is your sweeper. <laughs> How in the hell did that come to? Um, it kind it happened like so fast. I still like that was the biggest turning point in my career for sure. Going into the 2022 season. I kind of felt like I, I hit a roadblock. I pitched good in double A in 2021, my first year post Tommy John. Uh, I put up good numbers in double A, but I had like some shoulder issues. Like I just never felt like, I never felt natural and the, it, it just wasn't going great. And then I went to the fall league and it just really wasn't coming out good. Like, and uh, somebody was just like, straight up told me, they were like, this is not going to play, man. It's not going to play in the big leagues. Like, it's great you, you're pitching really good in double a and, and you're getting guys out but it's not going to play and it, it's hard as a player to hear that because you're like what do you mean like this is how i do it like if it, it's playing like wait till it doesn't play and then we can make the adjustment but um i think that's where i credit a lot of guys in the padre system that i've had like personal relationships with and if, if a coach came out to me and said that and i didn't have a personal relationship with them i probably would have just really not listened and just kept doing what I was doing. But luckily I had a lot of guys, a lot of people, a lot of coaches there that I had personal relationships with and they were telling me this and I was like, if it's coming from them, they definitely have my, my best interest at heart. So I'm going to try it. And it was a bad time to do so. Like I was, it was the end of spring training and I was going back to double A for my second year and I was pissed. Um, I was like, I pitched good in double A. I should deserve to go to triple A. Like, that's where I should go. And they were like, no, it doesn't play. You gotta, you gotta make some adjustments. So, um, so yeah, luckily, I don't know what it was, but I was able to buy in and um, kind of slowly throughout that 2022 season, I kind of started finding um, finding like a new arm slot and new pitch, new pitches, and it kind of just took off from there, honestly. And it was the best thing that, that happened to me. So I was looking at video from before and then after. It looks like your arm slot dropped quite a bit. 
Um, and then who did you, who was working with you as far as coming up with the grip and the release and, and all of that? Yeah. Um, Rob Marcello and Pete Zamora. Pete Zamora was the pitching coach in double A at the time. I've known him since I signed with the Padres and um, Rob Marcello is a new director of pitching, obviously. And, that, and that's what I was talking about, about the personal relationships. Um, if I didn't have personal re relationships with those guys, I probably, probably wouldn't have bought in as, as much as I did. So with the slider, would you, could you tell us like, how do you grip it and how do you, what do you do to release it? Yeah. Yeah. I have a, one second i got more okay so while we're taking a break while we're taking a break with tom um this is why we're doing this stuff live is just the funnest time you just he needs to get a baseball so hold on yeah. here we go yeah. yeah so so pitching ninja at the end of the year he he posted this video he says the slider from tom cosgrove broke 27.3 inches tied for the most glove side break on any swinging strike in 2023 and it was against Shohei Otani, no less. I looked that up. You struck him out once. He went over two against you that game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I kind of knew I was going to face Otani in uh, in that series at some point. And obviously, him being Shohei Otani, that was like, I, I was pretty, I was pretty fine. I knew exactly how I was going to attack him, and I knew I knew what I wanted to do. Uh, it was just a matter of executing it. But yeah, him being a left-handed hitter, I kind of knew he was going to be in the box against me at some point. So. I had a little extra preparation for that one. Not going to lie. <laughs> All right, so, you, you, <laughs> uh, so you said you had to change your mindset about getting to the big leagues. Can you tell us how you put that into practice? Um, did you change your game plan or did you just say to heck with it? Whatever happens, happens. Or And did you find yourself having fun after that happened? Yeah. Um, so that like, kind of goes back to when I was rehabbing and I was like, if I'm doing this and I, like, it was just so, it was such a bad feeling to like feel like my career really wasn't in my hands and I, I wasn't healthy and I wasn't feeling good. I was like, once I get healthy and I feel good, like I don't, I don't really care like what happens. Like as long as I roll it out there and I find out if I'm good enough, like that's going to be enough for me. And once I kind of like bought into that mindset where it was like, I don't, I don't need to pitch in the big leagues. I just need to find out if I'm good enough to pitch in the big leagues that's kind of when it became a little bit easier for me. It was like, I'm perfectly fine with like rolling it out there and, um, and like doing everything I can to get there. And if I don't get there, then so be it. But before then it was kind of like, I need to pitch in the big leagues. I need to pitch in the big leagues. I need to do this. I need to do this. And then it was like, yeah, a lot of people like aren't that lucky. Like there are a lot of guys, tons of guys who come up through the minor leagues college who are probably good enough to pitch in the big leagues and they just never get there, whether it be because of injury or, off the field things or whatever it might be like it's it, it's a lot of luck as well so i kind of just bought into like if i do what i'm supposed to do and i put in the work like we'll see where it shakes out yeah, you got to trust the process for sure yeah. um so we, we skipped over you had an experience you got to go to the arizona fall league um uh, and there were a whole bunch of padres teammates that came along with you uh, uh we had mackenzie gore jesse schultons waldron jose Cazada, matthew batten Edgar rosario chandler siegel uh, what was that whole experience like? Yeah, um, I mean the experience itself was great. The um, that was kind of towards the end of that 2021 season where I was saying like it wasn't coming out good, everything wasn't really like I just didn't perform well. Like I just felt like my stuff wasn't playing. I, I couldn't strike anybody out. Like I wasn't missing bats. I was walking guys. Like it just seemed like that step was like where I realized like all right, like these guys are like better than me. Like they they're they're better, they're better hitters. Like when you're in double A and you face like 
two or three of those guys in a lineup and it kind of doesn't go well, it kind of gets buried because you're pitching against guys who double A is probably going to be their last stop. And you kind of get that. And you don't really realize that the guys who are going to be in triple A in the big leagues are better than you because you, you don't really, you're not really able to tell. So, so the fall league for me was kind of a bit of an eye opener where I was playing with and against guys, hitters specifically, where I was like, damn, like these dudes are, they're better than me. And it was like a tough pill to swallow, like to say that, but, and even the pitchers, like I'm watching guys in the bullpen with me and I'm like, damn, like this dude's better than me straight up. <laughs> and it's like tough to realize. And then I went into that 2022 spring training and then I'm hearing it from coaches and I'm like, damn, like these guys are right. Like I got to make an adjustment. And um, I really think like, that's all pro ball is anyway, is like the people who are able to make adjustments the best and, and like use the resources they have to, to make those adjustments. So, so, and that's, I mean, the brutality of major league baseball is only so many guys make it. And the coaches are like, look, that's not going to play when they say it's not going to play. Do they give you recommendations? Do they say either, you know, find another pitch, um, go to driveline and pick up eight more miles on your fastball so you can hit 95 or, or whatever, yeah. or do they, what do they do? I think it's like player specific. Like there are guys who are like, I, I was always able to spin the ball pretty well. Like you said, like I had a curveball and I had a pretty good curveball and I was able to spin the ball really well. It's just something I've been able to do um, since college. Um, and I think that's why I got an opportunity to pro ball because they were like, I was never a guy who threw super hard or like had the best numbers, but, I would spin it and scouts would be like, okay, damn, this kid could like spin a baseball. Like that's like the projectability aspect. And, um, and then you got to get into pro ball and then you got to make the adjustment. Like I said, like I went from a curveball to a slider, but to me, like the grip is different, but the, the idea behind it is the same. Like if you could spin it, you could spin it. And I kind of use my curveball to morph it into the slider. I took like some things I do with my curve. I did with my curveball and then I, transferred it over to a different side of the ball and um, move my fingers around a little bit. And I was able to spin it from the side too. So, so were you able to find a ball? Can you show us what you do? Yeah. 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 Um, I'm like right, right, right along this horseshoe. With uh, my, to, the, to the viewers out there, the camera's flipped. So you look like a righty right now, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> oh no, um, no, no, no. We're good. We're good. Never mind. The, the, the biggest part for me is uh, my ring finger is I have some pretty flexible fingers, so I'm able to get my finger pretty low on the ball, where I think most people would probably throw it, like, spin a ball like that. I'm kind of able to, like, corkscrew it in there and get a little bit more pressure on my middle finger. Um, and then with my pointer finger, I try to put the pressure the opposite way a little bit. And then when it comes out of my hand, it kind of jerks when it comes out of that that tight space. My ring finger, it kind of pops out a little bit, and I think it gives me a little bit more, um, a little bit more ability to, to grab the ball tighter and spin it a little more. Huh, kind of like how, was, how a curveball pops out of a pitcher's yeah. hand. Right. Like, and then with my curveball, it was like the opposite way. I still had my, my ring finger under the ball here, but it was just a four-seam a four seam, uh, a four seam grip. So I just kind of moved it to the side and um, put my pointer finger down. But I think this is like the main part of my slider that makes it good is that I'm able to hold it pretty tight. So then if the if the camera is the the, the plate, what's the rotation look like that, that you're trying to get? The a rotation I try to get is a straight two-seam spin. It doesn't actually come out like that, but when I'm thinking about how I spin it, like that's how I'm trying to spin it directly on the side. It ends up like coming out and it's like actually like a one-seam. Um, I've never really tried to mess around with it because, it, you know, but... It's working. 
Yeah, right. But my thought process <laughs> is to have it spin like, like perfectly in like a, a side to spin, a side sideways to seam fastball. So it's almost like if you took a curveball and you just laid it on its side. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Nice. Well, and there's so much technology on like how it comes out and access and all that stuff. But um, yeah, for me, for all my pitches, I just try to think about um, spinning it in the direction I want to spin it. So that, that, that puts my hand in a good spot. Um, and it's just like a cue I use. Everybody has something different. Um, for me, it's a how I want to spin it and just think about spinning it that way. And fastballs, curveballs, cutters, sliders, if you're spinning it the right way, it's uh, it's going to do God, something good. God, I wish I could do that in my rec league. I just think about how I want to spin it, and it comes out <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Instead of a cement mixer. So, yeah. so in 22, we got to kind of hurry up. I know we you got dinner plans here in a little bit. Um, so we're gonna kind of speed it up here a little bit to uh to get some more uh get some more answers from you. Don't worry about it, guys. We got we got we got enough time. All Take right. well, for me. well, then in 2022, you made it to the you know you made it to El Paso. Did you feel we're getting close there? Were you starting to feel like some of the the work that you're putting in was really starting to show? Yeah. Um, it was funny. I was talking to Brett Sullivan about this today. I was like, dude, you know, like when you're so we were talking about 2022, the same year, and I was like. He was on the roster at the time, and it was just like, all right, like, Sully's going to play in the big leagues this year. Like, he's on the roster. Like, he's hitting 300. Like, he's a great catcher. Like, and the this spot just didn't open up for him. And it's, like, demoralizing because going into the year, you're like, all right, like, a month. I'll be here for a month. I'll be here for a week. One more month. One more month. And then the end of the season's there, and, like, you don't debut. And it's just, like, a little demoralizing. So it almost feels like the closer you get, the further away you are because – it's like this feeling in your stomach where like, I know I'm good enough right now. And I know I just have to wait for my, like, I just have to be patient and like wait for my opportunity. But you know, in the back of your head, like if it doesn't come, it's going to hurt even more than if I was like in high A and I just like, wasn't good enough. And like, I just got released and this, that, like it would sting way more if you got that close. And then that off season, they made roster moves and it just like, didn't really work out. So it almost feels like when you get close, it almost feels like you're, you're further away. Dude, and and I saw you in February at fantasy camp. I'm like, hey, dude, you had a really good. Like, you're on the cusp. You're like, yeah, the last game was so great. Yeah, it, it wasn't but a week. I think maybe a couple of weeks after that, the rosters had to go out, and then you made the forty man. Yeah, yeah. So was that was that a big deal? Did they make a big deal out of it, or was it just like a little text message, like, hey, welcome? No, it's definitely a big deal. Like you're on the big league team. Like it's a huge yeah, deal. That changes but- everything. Yeah, changes everything, and it's way easier for that window of opportunity to open up when they don't have to make a big roster move if they want to call you up. So it's a big deal. But like I said, people are like congratulations. I'm like, please just like, stop, stop. Like I, I still am in the same spot. Like I still need to, I still need a pitch. Like I still need to perform. Like I still need to produce. Like if they put me on the roster and I went to AAA and I didn't pitch good, like that doesn't mean anything. They're not just gonna call me up because I'm on the roster. Okay, well, so that was your first big league spring training camp. Um, what were your what were your experiences there, and did you have any idea that you were going to make the opening day roster? Yeah, um, I didn't think I didn't make the opening day roster. I was in AAA for like yeah. a week and a half, uh, two weeks. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I went into my first big league camp, and I was intimidated. Obviously, I wouldn't say intimidated, but I was just like, all right, like I don't know many of these dudes, like. Just kind of keep my mouth shut, try to pitch good. And um, and people always ask, like, oh, like, how was the adjustment? And, like, well, how did you make the – and I feel like that side of it wasn't really up to me. That's, like, more accredited to, like, 
the veterans on the team and like the guys who have been around, like they were so easy to like walk into a clubhouse with and, and be around. Like, I didn't feel like I had to change anything or do anything different or be a different guy in the clubhouse or off the field. Like it was super easy. So I feel like when people ask about that, like how you transition, I feel like that has more to do with the people who are already there rather than like the things you do. So it was like, was, was there anybody that made that like took you under their wing or kind of made you feel comfortable? Oh dude, it was everybody. Like <laughs> there's not a guy who I didn't feel comfortable around, you know, um, in the bullpen specifically, Hater Martinez, like it was just super easy to be around those guys, like Suarez, Garcia, everybody. Um, the second I got down there and like I was in the bullpen at Wrigley Field, like my first day, I was like freaking out, like, pretty, pretty nervous. It's a magical place to make your debut. So, how did they break the news to you? Yeah. Um, so I was, I drove home, it was at the end of a game, it was probably like midnight, one o'clock. I Got back to my apartment, and um, Welly, Phil Wellman, the, the AAA manager, was like, hey, dude, you got to get back to the field. I'm like, well, like, I don't want to – I'm not – like, what? am I going to the big leagues or not, dude? Like, don't make me drive. Like, don't do this whole thing where you're like, oh, you got to get back to the field. Like, you're uh, this, that. I'm like, well, like, we're not doing that, man. Am I coming? Am I going to the big leagues? And he's like, just get to, get to the field, dude. I was like, all right. So I had to drive back to the field, pack my stuff up, and call my parents. It was like 3 a.m. Yeah. In on the East Coast. So they were pretty worried. They thought I, <laughs> they didn't know what was going. They're like, oh, what do you do, do you now? Need bail money, son. Do you need yeah. money jail? <laughs> yeah. No, mom, I'm going to the. What do you do now? Yeah, I'm going to the show, mom. <laughs> yeah, so that was pretty cool. And um, it was hectic, dude. Like I didn't sleep that night. I had to pack all my stuff, get on a flight at four o'clock in the morning. Like, and then I show up at Wrigley Field on zero hours of sleep, and like I got to be ready to pitch. And I'm like, oh my god, like <laughs> I didn't sleep last night. Like, and I got to possibly pitch in my first big league game like that's gonna be tough but this stayed out of it those two days. yeah yeah <laughs> Stay, you're, you're gonna need this yeah i was oh i was plenty awake i was i was plenty awake but um but yeah it was pretty special it was pretty cool then you pitch and then you get your win in the first in your first game you're like this is, what the hell this is easy yeah. what, what, uh, this is easy <laughs> Yeah, yeah, one one batter, about four pitches, one batter, snake the win in Mexico City. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Got in, so got Mexico, out. Mexico City. There's no way your family could have made it down there for that. No, they were trying. They were trying. They came to Chicago. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't pitch. And then we were going to Mexico. My dad and they were like, "How am I supposed to get to Mexico?" I was like, "Honestly, man, I have no idea how." Like what air? I, I don't know. I don't know anything. It just kind of was happening so fast. We get on the plane in Chicago and just go. And it was tough. The airport is like two hours from where we were staying. But the regular Mexico City airport is a different airport than we were flying into. I was like, yeah, I don't know how to get there. I don't know what's going on. And they were like, all right, we'll just. But they got to watch on TV. And um, they were there for for when I first got called up at, at Wrigley. And they, they came throughout the year. So they got to see me a bit. Well, you hit the ground running. I don't know if anybody, even you, expected that you'd make it through 14 games before giving up your first run. Uh, yeah. Did you have any idea it was a Padres franchise record? Uh, I did, just because people were asking me about it, but I was kind of like trying to let it go in one ear and out the other. <laughs> um, really, I was just taking it one day at a time. Like I, I got there and I just I knew I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to go back. So it was just kind of a thing where I was showing up every day as, as a new day. And I knew I was having some success, but 
I've had success before and it changes super quick. Like you could roll it out there one day and all it takes is one, one bad one and, and you're gone. So I was just trying to take it day by day and not really get too high because I, I was pitching good. And um, I knew that I know, still know that if I want to pitch, as long as I want to pitch in the big leagues, like I'm going to have some bad ones. Like I'm going to have a plenty of bad ones. And if I want to be able to flush the bad ones, uh, you got to be able to flush the good ones too. So. Oh, flush the good ones too. That's yeah, I don't think yeah, flush the good ones. Everybody's like, oh, there's not like no, flush the good ones. Not, oh. because it's gonna come because if I sit on the if I sit on the good ones when the bad ones come, I'm gonna sit on those too. So right, the, the even kill. You know, it, it's such a it's such a performance based game. It's a performance based game. Like yeah, I did good, but like there's tomorrow. That's today. Like tomorrow, yeah. the same mindset is like yeah, but I might pitch tomorrow, and you know yeah. we gotta win the series, or I might go in yeah. a game where there's guys on second and third, and I I need to. I need to close the door on this stuff. So what what at what point or have you really do you feel like, hey, I've made it? Like I belong here. Yeah. Um I still don't really I still don't think it's happened yet. Like I still feel like I have to go into spring training and make a team. Like I, I know I had a good year and I know that I'm good enough to pitch in the big leagues for a long time, but um it doesn't always like it doesn't work out like that. Like here's people's careers change really quick. And um, yeah, I just, I still feel like I have to go into spring training and make a team. Like that's the bottom line. And I, if I make the team, I'm still going to feel like I have to pitch good every week, every month, every series to, to stay up there. Um, and obviously that's the plan. And obviously I know I could do that, but I also know that things could, could not go my way. That's just how it goes. I don't think I'm, different or more special than anybody else like i've seen it happen to guys who have have had better stuff than me have had have been bigger than me have been have thrown harder than me like i've seen it like i don't think i'm different than anybody else i still have to show up and and know that i have to earn a spot well you've been around long enough that the the, the term rookie is no longer labeled on your name um did the team did your teammates make you do anything to have to like earn your stripes <laughs> no i mean you just got to have some feel, you know, you got to, you got to do a little extra legwork that, that the older guys don't have to do. There, there's no carry, carry their bags, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Carry the speaker, you know, dress up for a, a road trip. Do you to, don't you have to bring up snacks too? Aren't you the ball boy in the snacks? You have to bring snacks. <laughs> uh, sometimes on the plane, we ain't got to walk around, make sure everybody's comfortable and got what they need, but, but nothing. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right, so early in the season, the Padres had this fancy uh, dinner event, and there was like this red carpet experience. Um, and you showed up in this designer suit, and you had been up like barely a week. I know that that first <laughs> yeah. big league check hadn't cashed yet. Yeah. Uh, and I know you've got a story. How did you come up with that suit? Yeah, well, I – so at this time, I've only been up for a month, and I know this event, people are talking about it May 15th. I'm like, I don't – care about that event like i just need to be like i was just like all right just stay here like just stay and like if i'm there on may 13th or 14th whatever the day before then i'll figure it out and then it was kind of like two days before and i was like i don't i don't own a suit i don't i I have like i came from AAA. I left half my stuff in el paso in my car i got like six shirts and a pair of jeans like i don't have any clothes and um and Hater was like, I was sitting there with Hater, and I'm like, dude, what do I do? And he's like, don't worry about a thing. He was like, show up here tomorrow at noon, and I got you. I was like, all right, dude. Like, I walked into like Hugo Boss. I've never been to Hugo Boss before. They got people measuring me and shit. They're like, oh, it's all good, whatever you need. 
the hater bought me my suit, got me fitted. I had it within like two days. It's easy. So uh, that's what I meant when like you walk into this clubhouse and a little intimidated, expecting like I don't know what to expect, and you got guys like that doing doing something like that for you. It makes it it makes it a lot easier. So 54 games, a 1.75 ERA, 44 strikeouts. Can you think of a game or a moment that stands out uh, in during the season? Um, I would say the 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 Rockies game. I came. It was like my first, not my first, but it was like the biggest leverage situation situation I was in. I think it was a it was a save situation. I was I pitched the eighth inning. We were up by a run. Then there was a lefty coming in in the in the ninth. So I was going to – I think Hader pitched like two or three days in a row. He was down that day. So I went out to get the first lefty in the ninth inning. And then I was probably going to come out for that, and Martinez was going to come in for the save. And um, I forget if that's exactly how it shook out, but it was something like that. And I got clipped. I gave up a homer at Coors Field on an 0-2 pitch, and I was just like, oh, just like felt like I got punched in the face. I was just like, oh, my God, that didn't just happen to me. Like I think that was your first run that you gave up. Yeah, it was. It came. It came in a in a one run lead in the ninth inning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was tough. That that's probably it's 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 it stinks that like those are the things that stick out. Um, Boy, talk about flushing the good ones. You're hanging on to the bad one. I know. That's why I'm trying to flush okay. the good ones so I can forget about the bad ones. You should it's be hanging working. on to that time you struck out Shohei Otani. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, right. that one. So these days you're throwing slider, four seam, sinker with a changeup sprinkled in here and there. Now that the league has kind of gotten a good look at what you do, um, have you thought about mixing it up at all? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's what I was going to say before with the adjustments. Like, you just have to be ahead of the curve um, with the adjustments. I think in the beginning, even last season, like, it, it happened series to series, like week to week. I was, um, I was like, relying on my slider super heavy um, in the beginning of the year. And then um, – and then I feel like once that was in the books and they were like, every hitter going up there was like looking for the slider. And then I was just like throwing a bunch of two seam fastballs and getting a lot of quick outs. Um, my strikeouts started going down towards the end of the year. Um, I wasn't chasing punch outs. I was just trying to get in and out of there as fast as possible. And kind of kind of leaning on, on different pitches at different parts of the year. Um, I know like my pitch, I know my pitch profiles play. I think it just has to do with, um, like percentages and count you throwing pitches in and how often you're, you're using pitches and because the hitters in the other dugout, they know exactly, exactly what you have and what you do. And it doesn't take, it doesn't take very long for them to, to, to pick up on what you do and what you're trying to do to them. So I think just um, listening to guys like Ruben and Fritz and, and Peter Somerville and like guys who are way smarter than me, um, I think that's just that's my game plan. It's <laughs> just listen to people. <laughs> you, you okay, so like... I'm gonna I'm gonna jump off and of, go down a little alley right now. The Padres just announced their coaching staff, and there's they're bringing some guys up from the minors. Um, when yeah. you came up, Ben Fritz was the the bullpen coach, and was was he your coach in um, Tri City? Yeah, no, he was. My, yeah, he was my first manager in Pro Bowl. Yeah, I showed up to Tri Cities, and Fritz was the manager. So did that give you some some comfort seeing familiar faces and familiar voices there? Because you talked about trust before. Yeah, he was also um, the rehab coordinator when I was rehabbing. So I've been I've been around Fritz for a while, and um, and yeah, like that was so huge for me. A lot of people aren't as lucky as I was, and like come up with an organization and debut with them, and 
pitching the big leagues there, but it was a big help for me because I knew guys like Fritz and, um, and I felt comfortable walking in the clubhouse. And, and he was a guy, another guy that I knew I could trust. And I knew that he has a job to do, but I also know that he has my best interest uh, in mind. So that was nice. All right. So what have you been doing different this off season? You've been in San Diego. Are you working out at Petco Park? Are you changing any of your routines? Are you, did you feel like you needed to change your routine in the off season? Or are you just, are you doing DoorDash deliveries? Right. <laughs> no, no, no more DoorDash. Yes. But, um, I was, uh, yeah, I work out at Petco. Petco's open all off season for us. Um, Joe Musgrove opened up a gym up north a little bit. I go there a bunch. Um, like I said, with the, uh, with mentioning like the pitch selection and pitch profiles and stuff, like I just try to, play copycat like there are dudes who have been here longer than i am and and know what know exactly what needs to be done to go into a, a long big league season and um i just try to follow other guys like that's that's like pretty much my game plan like look at people who have been here before and um have done it before and if that's success with what they're doing and uh try to play a little bit of copycat nice okay so what's the plan for the next month or so until you roll up to peoria yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna head out to arizona february 1st um work out at, at the Peoria Sports Complex until spring training starts February 14th. I'll be uh I'll be in San Diego till then. I think we got a little little pitchers camp going on. I think uh the pitchers on the 40 man will come out here for a week and work out at Petco and we'll get together before spring training starts. Um have the catchers out here and stuff. Kind of get comfortable with each other as much new faces. So nice. All right, so we got some fun questions here to wrap things up. Uh, I know last time we talked, you said you weren't superstitious, but do you believe in mojo? Mojo, yeah. I'm not that superstitious, but if I could keep it the same, I'm going to try to keep it the same. I guess I ask because I'm, I'm, we want to puff our chests out a little bit. You're the first active major leaguer we've been able to talk to, but there's been a pretty good track record of guys that came on the podcast that have gone on to future success. Ty France, uh uh, Nick Bargavichis, I mean, Mackenzie Gore, you know, Jack we talked Lewinsky. to Ryan Weathers. Yeah. So, you know, we believe in the podcast mojo and we'd like to, you know, thank you for group. doing your part. Yeah. It's a good group. I knew that already. That's why I came on. Oh, <laughs> there we go. Hey, and if everything goes to hell next season, just blame it. It's not our fault. It's not our fault. <laughs> so what do you do with the downtime in the hotel? You get back. Uh, do you have any shows you watch? Um, I watch Kirby Enthusiasm. That's like my show. That's pretty much all I watch. I watch it over and over and over again. I'm not a big TV guy, but if I'm like <laughs> winding down, that's what I go to. Boy, New Yorker through and through. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. Do you play video games? Yeah, I play a little bit of video games. I I um I don't really play during the season too much, but um in the off season I play. Oh, oh. yeah. Okay, so what's your road meal on the road? I'm a big breakfast guy. I um I try to go. It's like part of my routine. Uh, you're at the field most of the, most of the day. I have like lunch, dinner, snacks at the field, and um, breakfast is really like the only meal where I feel like that's my time. I go I go get breakfast by myself every day. Do you try to eat food in the region that you're in, like say Milwaukee or Chicago? Um, it's tough because, like I said, like we have like food coming into the club. I'm just eating whatever's there, you know. But I think that clubhouses do a good job at uh at like you said like cooking foods from the area like in philly they got philly cheesesteaks they'll make philly cheesesteaks all day people have eaten like 20 in a series <laughs> they're just crushing <laughs> philly cheesesteaks every day so spill any dirt on those guys 
<laughs> no, no, no. No. Okay. All right. So, so I got a trivia question for you. Back in college, one of your current teammates set a school record for career hits off of you. Who was it? That's Matt Batten. That's easy. Ah, there <laughs> That's we go. Easy. He couldn't let me forget if he tried. He wouldn't let me forget <laughs> if he tried. Quinnipiac yeah. College. Does it bring you up? Does he bring it up often? Oh, yeah. 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 Yep. Too much. And I, I then I bring up the hit. It's like a rolled over ground ball to second base that he like beats out. I'm like, congrats, dude. <laughs> congrats. On your hit. You bring up the previous stats. It's like one for eight with a, with a ground ball to second. Nice, Matt. I'll sign the ball for you one day. <laughs> Who's some of the favorite catchers that you worked with in the minors? Um, I really have not had a bad experience with a catcher in, in pro ball. Um, obviously, Camposano's here now and i came up with him siegel was here at the end of the year last year i came up with him um sullivan was Sully. with me in el paso in 2022 we got really tight really fast so i mean yeah i have jimmy juan fernandez he's great you know one, one of the things we ask sorry about that one of the things we talk about um is how much a catcher can help a pitcher develop and and having a veteran catcher back there that knows what he's doing can, you know, can really help a, a pitcher that's trying to get better and developing into the major leagues do that. Is, is that is that true? Yeah, I mean, especially when I first came up, it was like like Nola was here, uh, Gary was here, and they were kind of asking me like, "What do you like?" And I'm like, honestly, man, like I, I bet you Sully or Camposano could answer that question better than I can. Like they probably know what I need more than what I know I need half the time. Like when I'm out there, I'm not really thinking about much and Sully and Campy have been with me for a while and they 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 kinda know um they kinda know how to get me back on track. So I think like sometimes they can answer those questions better than I can. Interesting. All right. So what was your walk up song last year and are you thinking about mixing it up this year? Like your warm up song. Yeah. So originally I was like, I don't need a walk up song, just play whatever. And they were playing like Fireball by Pitbull and like Fireball. And I was like, this is tough. Like I can't <laughs> I can't have people thinking I picked this. <laughs> so um yeah, I don't know. This year maybe I'll do maybe I'll do some uh maybe I'll do some New York rap or something. Bring me back to the East Coast. We'll All see. Right, maybe, maybe a little Wu Tang clan or something. Nice. Play for a West Coast team, man. I know, I know, but I gotta let them know, you know, it's <laughs> not where the roots are. Well, I got one question here from the uh, from the peanut gallery. Uh, breakfast. You say you're a big breakfast side. What's in your breakfast burrito of choice? Breakfast burrito. Probably go. There was this place, Savage Goods in El Paso. It's the best breakfast burrito I've ever had. You customize it. I would just do scrambled eggs, grilled onions, avocado, and bacon. That was it. Simple. It's a little miscellaneous. I don't know if people do grilled onions in breakfast burritos, but I do. Avocado. I do whatever you want. It's your burrito. You threw whatever hey. you want in it. You get it. All right. Can we have a couple more from the uh, from the group? A couple more, and we'll uh, let you go here. Well, so I mean, people keep bringing up the Otani at bat. Um, yeah. Can can you bring us through that? Were you were you hyped up seeing him step in the box? What what is it like facing somebody like that? Yeah. Um. I mean, there were a lot of guys up to that point where they were getting the box, and you're like, all right, like this is a big name. Like this is like this is it gets you going a little more for sure. Um. But like I said, like I knew what I was, I knew what I'm, I know what I'm trying to do, and I just have to. You're you're a little bit more like aware of your mistakes. Like if I make a mistake here, I'm probably gonna get hurt. Whereas like, if you have somebody who's not as renowned and and good as as Otani is, you're like, all right, maybe I could get away with a mistake here. And I kind of knew that I couldn't. 
Um, just trying to do something that maybe just kind of keep him off balance. Maybe something he didn't think I was going to do. Um, he probably didn't think I was going to give him two four seam fastballs in a row. So I was like, that's what I'm going to do. It was, I just try to keep it, try to keep it as simple as possible. And, um, yeah, I mean, I know I'm good against lefties. I see a left-hander in the box. Like, I think I have the advantage. I don't care who it is. Yeah, but he's not your regular left-hander. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, one from uh, Taps1977. Best MILB Road City? Ooh. Um, I had I had a lot of fun in um, – a lot of fun in the PCL. There were a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, uh, we went to Sugarland in Houston. Houston's a good city. Um, Oklahoma city shocking, but it was great. We had like a nice little karaoke bar right next to this, right next to the field. We'd have some guys singing after games. Um, we had a good time there. Um, if I think back earlier in tri cities, we went to Portland, Oregon. That was a great city. We had a lot of fun there. Um, I judge road cities on like the off the field stuff, you know, not so much the stadiums. But um, yeah, we've had a lot of fun in a lot of uh, a lot of like small cities in the United States that most people don't even think exist. And um, and you go out there and you find like a good a good little spot to eat, a good bar, and we have a good time. So. You know, the, the last couple of years, the minor league schedules kind of lined up a little bit different where you're, you're in one city for a whole week. So I imagine you have a little bit more time for R&R &R to get out and, and do something versus yeah. in the majors. It's like you're done. You're getting on the bus. You're going to the next city. And it's rare that you have that off day to really explore. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, that was huge when they did that. I think that's why I had a better experience in uh, road cities in the PCL and stuff because when I was there, we had that off day every Monday. We'd have a day game on Sunday and we'd pretty much have like the whole Sunday to, to do whatever before we had to get on the plane and go back home. Okay. So we got one more from the crowd. Um, Welsh Fryer who Welsh Fryer. I don't think he's in even been to San Diego. Maybe he's doing some advanced scouting for a trip he's, here. Real quick. Has he been? been here once real quick? He's been here once. He fell in love with the Padres. Uh, he is a very young uh, now YouTube personality in in welsh in in, in, in wales yeah in wales. so his question is what is your favorite pre-match meal in san diego oh san diego and it's game welsh fire it's it's game matches nuts it's not soccer <laughs> well like i said it's got to be breakfast because i'm eating lunch and dinner at the field most of the time um i'll go to breakfast a lot at um ob surf lodge it's like a little place in Ocean Beach, that's usually where I go get breakfast. So, nice. well, Tom, and we really appreciate you taking the time to do this. It's been a blast. Uh, thank you for agreeing to come on. Uh, we want to thank all those that showed up and listened and had the great questions. Um, we wish you the best, uh, you know, as Padre fans, we wish you the best season. But as, yeah. as a friend of the podcast, we wish you the best uh, season. Uh, let's effing go, San Diego. Thanks, uh, thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate you. 